Welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Good day to you. So I have to admit, folks, I have been tossing and turning all night over this episode. Clearly, I am somewhat unresolved in my approach. So it begins like this. I got a nice email this week, and feel free to email me at weatherofthemind at gmail.com. I got this email from Emily in Asheville, and it said, I know you've done a podcast in the past on the importance of refuges, which was super helpful to me to hone in on concrete spaces and activities where I feel at ease and secure and safe. My recent question and ponder was, when I'm in a positive place emotionally and mentally, I don't need to actively remember my refuges since these activities come to me naturally, like taking a walk, talking on the phone with a friend, exercising. However, I am wondering if you can give me more insight on engaging in our refuges in the times we are down, emotionally low. When my mind is preoccupied with stress, a transition, going through rough times, etc., Realizing the activities, places that are my default go-tos are not at the forefront of my mind, which prolongs my emotional instability by keeping me in my rut. Do you have any advice on finding specific refuges and then recognizing when to use these as a tool to pull yourself out of a negative space? Wow, that was a very thorough and thoughtful question. The reason why I tossed and turned is because I find this question so very important, but it's difficult for me to figure out which way to approach it. Because for me, this is so essential to kind of the approach, the philosophical and psychological approach I'm trying to build and lay out in this podcast and through my writings. What's really fundamental is strategy and assessment and buying into strategy and assessment or assessment and then strategy, they go hand in hand. I mean, buying into strategy is is really buying into the fact that A, our lives are difficult, our lives will be difficult. And like an athlete approaching their sport, we are approaching the sport of life and we should have good systems. We should be able to assess ourselves and know where we're at, know where we're at in this moment know where we're at in this week or this month or this year, right? Know where we're at along our journey, our path. Secondly, we have to be able to take that information and do something with it. So strategy and assessment are really fundamental. What Emily in this in this letter is talking about is she's implying her, you know, sometimes she when she's in a good space, she does good things and it reinforces itself. But she's in a bad space, she might not use her refuges. And this opens up a whole other concept, and this concept is momentum and mental momentum. So we already have two big concepts that are worthy of a few shows on their own. But let's just hold on to those for now. So mental momentum is a big one. I would make the argument that using our refuges, our shelters, places that calm us and ground us is fundamental to our health all the time. But I've said before, the most important time to use our refuges is exactly 
the time that you mentioned, Emily, when we are kind of in a rocky spot. Because here's where we're not thinking clearly. So when we're feeling strong emotionally, either positive or negatively, we're just not thinking as rationally, as clearly as we are when we're in a more middle-of-the-road place. So when we have strong negative emotions, it's really biasing our perceptions. And that's why it's important to have a plan ahead of time and to recognize that I'm not in a great place. And then, no, I've made a list of my 10 refuges. My refuges. So for me, I think about refuges, I think about nests, I think about shelters. When I think about my 10 refuges, refuges. One is certainly just going out for a walk. One is certainly engaging in music, singing or listening. And again, that can be done along with the walk. So exercise, engaging in music, connecting with a friend in person or connecting with a friend, writing them an email, calling them, making some connection. Another thing, is doing a small chore, going food shopping, doing your laundry, manageable tasks. Don't overthink it. Just get out the door and go. And these are often can help us just feel like our life is not totally collapsing. Cooking a meal, sharing a meal, cooking that meal and sharing that meal. So we have a few different categories, exercising, engaging, getting out of the mind through exercise a bit and through singing and music. That's one category. The other category for me is simple chores, exercise and simple chores. And the third category would be connection, connection to a friend, connection to nature. These are my basic refuges. Sometimes when I've been in a big city and I need to engage in nature, I just find a little spot where I can just look at the clouds and just ponder the greater movement of the sky and the clouds and just try to find some calmness in my smallness in that place, in that, in that space. Let's pause for a second. Let's begin part two of today's show with a different approach to to the same question. In this case, I encourage you to take out a piece of paper, and it could be a loose paper, it could be in your notebook. Maybe a loose paper is better, because you could hang it up, hang it up somewhere as a reminder. And I want you to say something along the lines of, write something along the lines of, refuge list for when you hit the wall or when you check your refuges check yourself before you wreck yourself check your refuges and i want you to think this week about 10 refuges that you can seek out or that you decide you will seek out when you're in a tough spot and then i want you to try it out and see how it works, and see, do these refuges work? 
And if some work better than others, keep track of that. And so by developing a list or a concept of refuges to kind of be there for us in our tougher periods, that's really the basic of the basic ideas behind this concept. Here's an excerpt about refuges that I wrote a number of years ago in a book called Prayers and Knives and Other Meditations on the Search for Mentors. In, in that book, I kind of brought together the concept of mentors and refuges. I kind of talk about it here. We need to build some refuges in our lives. We need to find places where we can escape the daily deluge of information. We can retreat from the torrents of advertisements where all types of experts and pretty faces tell us how to eat, how to sleep, how to raise our kids, how to find peace. With all this supposed guidance, with all this access to information, how is that we appear to be more lost than ever before? And go further on. There are times when we need mentors, we need guidance, we need wisdom, but the wise elders are not always present in our lives. So we have two choices, to go on without mentors or to seek them out elsewhere. My search for mentors has been a search for guidance, a search for self-acceptance, a lifelong search that continues every month of my life. But what I have found and what I'm excited to share is that mentors are not just wise elders. They come in many forms. I have come to define a mentor as any place or being which provides a nurturing space in which we feel comfortable and courageous enough to listen to that elusive voice within us. The voice from within is an emotional voice and a powerful voice. It is, however, a voice much maligned in our culture. And this neglect of our emotional selves has led to a slew of challenges we, must, we now must face. But we cannot do it alone. It takes great support to have the strength and the courage to listen to ourselves. And this support is precisely the role of mentors. This support is the function of mentors, whether these mentors are people, animals, or rivers. So in this book, which I wrote in 2009, I'm kind of using mentors and the word, the concept of mentors and the concept of refuges in a similar fashion. And I suppose that I was a big fan of mentors as support and guidance before I was really focused on refuges. But what I find about refuges is they are books, they are places, they are activities, they are accessible to us at all times. Whereas a mentor and a mentor relationship is not, well, the the lessons learned may be accessible to us, but we generally cannot reach out and contact our mentors in moments of personal challenge, we have to bear down and develop our own resources. So that's where the concept of mentors and refuges overlaps. I want to finish with one last image. And this is an image that we might, I think I might expand to a whole episode about the practical skill of drawing a map. One other aspect of my kind of psychological theories or, or therapy that I'm developing is making things more visual. A strategy assessment, these lend themselves to making things more visual. Right now, we just keep too much inside of our heads, keep too much inside of ourselves, emotionally, cognitively, intellectually. It's helpful to have a notebook. It's helpful to sketch. It's helpful to draw. 
even our list of refuges, if that list is posted as a reminder and we engage it, this will help us. It will will help us take this idea that's in our head and make it physical and put it somewhere in our space. One thing I'm thinking about is having anybody I work with as a therapist or a counselor draw a map. And just like a list of refuges, the map can change and evolve over time. But just to start with a map. And the fundamental aspects of the map are where you are now and where you want to be. Because that's the path forward. We often feel lost in life and it's because we don't know where we want to be. But once we know where we want to be, and that might change, but at least for now, where we want to aim towards, the path sort of falls into place, connecting those two points, where we are and where we want to be. Now, when I think of this map, I think of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy where the story is a journey and there's a map in the beginning of the book. I've always loved maps and I think they're very valuable tools and to have our own map I think kind of grounds us and orients us. And when I sketch out this map and I think about myself or ourselves as characters in a token-esque book, you think about really what's going on. There are good days, there's bad days. Who's your social tribe, your clan? Who's supporting you? Who's Who's your posse in this in this journey? And one thing I think about is different situations that will arise on this path. And like I say, there will be days, just like there was in Lord of the Rings, of great triumph. And there are days of great failure. And those days of failure or those days of struggle are the ones that define us. Because that's where we seek refuge and reset and get back on the path. Or we wander away into bad bad decisions and bad habits and a bad day can become a bad week and a bad month and things can spiral out of control. So along this journey, just like if we're, you know, hobbits along this journey in Lord of the Rings, where are our refuges? Where are the people? Where are the activities? Where are the places we can reset? So think about maps, think about journeys, think about making things visual, think about strategy and assessment, and think about our refuges. And let's let's create that list, and let's try it out, and get back to me. Let me know what you think. Thanks for your time. Stay hydrated, living and learning. Bye-bye. Thank you.